This morning's scripture is the second part of Jesus' inaugural sermon in the Gospel of Luke. The Sermon on the Plain begins with the Beatitudes, bless the poor and curse the rich, bless the hungry, curse those who are full, bless those who weep, curse those who laugh, bless the, hate, uh, bless the hated, curse the popular. It's not that there are no social hierarchies in God's reign, it's just that the rankings are reversed in some way by Jesus. And if we can get our heads around what that means for folks like you and me and the rest of humanity on earth as it is in heaven, then we be can begin to navigate the world with the reality of God's divine grace in mind. And so today we pick up in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It starts at verse 27. I'm going to ask you all to help me out today. I'm going to read a section, and when I pause... I would like for you all to play along and say, I am listening. So I'm going to say, are you listening? And you're going to say, I am listening. That's pretty good. All right, let's listen for God's holy word. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Are you listening? I'm listening. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Are you listening? I'm listening. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. Are you listening? But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and when you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Are you listening? Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. May God bless our reading and listening of God's holy word. So for those of you who are still listening, to listen, whether it is in Hebrew, the word is Shema, or in Greek, akuo, it also means to obey. Listening and obeying are two parts of the same action. So if we do these things, if we behave, if we don't drink and we make curfew, if we work hard and pay our taxes, if we aren't jerks or bullies, if we give a little bit of money away, if we play by the rules, then aren't we doing enough? Well, it does seem as if Jesus expects more. I mean, 
We barely squeak by on the golden rule, even on a good day. Do unto others as you would have them do to you, never mind our lack of patience with our toddlers or teenagers or caregivers or parents or spouses or coworkers. never mind our eye rolls or grudges or preconceived notions, never mind our curt responses or condescending emails. Most days we squeak by, most days we do unto others, but thank God whatever we've done or whatever we've left undone does not define who we are as much as who we are influences what we do. The thing is, most of us spend a fair amount of time thinking about what we're going to do. How do I parent? When am I going to work out? How do I show up at work? Do I volunteer enough? Do I make an effort with my in-laws or grandkids? How do I help those who are suffering? But John Calvin would tell us, as soon as we start asking ourselves about our responsibility, we really are inquiring about who we are, ourselves. And to be clear, 20th century ethicist Richard Niebuhr alludes that for folks like us, professing Christians, self-knowledge, self-understanding, who we are and what we do can only really be understood in relation to who God is and what God does. And I don't know about you all, but I can go day after busy day doing all my doing without paying much attention to myself. What's going on in here? Who God created me to be? Much less God. And this is an issue especially right now, because we aren't prioritizing the patterns of our faith formation or even gathering for worship like we used to. Of course, we are every bit as committed to God and even to the church, but since the pandemic, our faith has been totally upended. There's a gap now between who we are as a people of faith and what we do. Everything about our world has changed our relationship with God, our kids and our teenagers have grown, our expectations and our perspectives have been altered, we have all suffered and lost loved ones, and so we keep saying things like, I just can't seem to get back to church, and when I do show up, everything just feels differently than it used to, and I really like staying in my pajamas, and I just can't commit to being there right now. And honestly, I don't have the energy to fight my kids. And some of that is about our doing, which is very important if we hope to be the church and we hope to rediscover our spiritual lives. But what if we are approaching it all wrong? What if we're backwards? What if obligation and guilt and stress and laziness and fear and anxiety, what if none of that has the power to transform our lives? What if none of that will win the day? What if Jesus wants your heart? What if Jesus is addressing who we are called to be from the inside out, the core of who we are? What if we just aren't sure we can trust each other anymore? What if we aren't willing to risk our hearts in the name of Christ? What if it feels too dangerous? Love your enemies? Who are our enemies? We don't even know anymore. These days, that seems like an antiquated pipe dream. 
But here we all are. Somehow, by the grace of God, we all showed up this morning, some for the first time, some for the last 30, 40, 50 years, right, Herman? Standing shoulder to shoulder, staring at Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, right in the eyes, on the ground, face to face, and Jesus is preaching about what it means to live an individual life of faith, and every single word he says is about our relationships with one another, the way we interact, the people we meet in here and out there. And man, I cannot say that this is the easiest path for us. Because most folks are choosing echo chambers. Most folks are tired of being tired. Most folks do not know who to trust anymore. Most folks have drawn a line in the sand and refuse to budge because we're disheartened and disillusioned. And yeah, we're a little bit scared. And Jesus' big plan for all of this, love? Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who abuse you. Give to all. Don't expect anything back. Well, clearly, Jesus has never driven down I-85 at rush hour. Bless those who curse you. What if Jesus was forced to walk the halls of a bustling middle school every day? Do good to those who hate you. Are you listening to this? We can listen, but obey? We're barely squeaking by, and Jesus is telling us we can't keep score or wait until we feel safe again. Jesus is telling us that grace is not transactional, and love denies a return on investment. Half of us are, ba are bankers. He may have a point. Go home and see what happens when you unload the dishwasher unexpectedly. Listen to the joy in their voices when you call your parents just to say hello. Watch what happens when you take a struggling friend a meal without asking permission. Love is a gift that changes both the receiver and the giver. When we love like that, there's an inner freedom that we are not possessed by our possessions or our expectations. But all of this is hard enough with people we actually like. What about the dude who cut you off in traffic? He used to be an annoyance, and now he's an enemy. Or what about the disruptive airline passenger who used to just be loud and uncouth? Well, now she's rageful and dangerous. Remember, do you remember when restraint and mutual forbearance were the things that we used to protect the common good? Well, now individualism and self-righteousness and hatred, that's what leads the way. So yeah, we're listening, Jesus, but frankly, everything you propose sounds exhausting and messy and inconvenient and risky because we're going to want to flip them off and we're going to want to box them out and shut them up and sue them and hurt them and ignore them. What are we supposed to do with all of this hurt and pain? Who are we going to blame for all of this grief so we say retaliate, revenge, retreat, react, and Jesus is saying love, and Jesus is saying mercy, and Jesus is saying hope. 
all these pressures from the pandemic and the infiltration of partisanship and populism, that's bad enough, but how does anyone survive the horrors of things like the Holocaust or apartheid in South Africa or the hatred of slavery and Jim Crow in America? How do we go through that? How did our ancestors go through that and still love their enemies? How do we forgive the unforgivable? Well, rest assured, Jesus is not offering a prescription on how to be a wet blanket or a doormat or a sucker. And Jesus is certainly not condoning violence or abuse in the name of sappy Christian passivity. I know you, I know all of you, and none of you would be here if that was the case. Love is about power. Love is about a force that has the capacity to transform who we are and how we are. Guess what happens when a peasant in first century Roman-occupied Israel is hit and slapped with the back of a soldier's hand? First of all, it likely would have been the soldier's right hand because the left hand was used for other less speakable things. Secondly, it would have been the back of his hand because the palm was reserved for those of equal status, right? So first, a backhand, and then if the disciple were to offer his other cheek, not only would it force the soldier to either stop mid-slap or use his open hand, which would be a show of equity, but either way, that message would be clear. That message of, go ahead, try. You may have dominance of class or wealth or physicality over me, but there is nothing you can do to diminish the power of God's love, which embodies the core of who I am. Again, if a creditor were to approach a Palestinian Jew and demanded their cloak for repayment, it's because they are flat broke and they couldn't repay the debt with land or money. And according to biblical scholars, there were clear restrictions regarding the repayment of such debts. No one was allowed to leave a debtor without a cloak at sundown, no matter what they owed. It was against the nature of their culture and standards of what it meant to keep order. So Jesus says, if that happens, take off your cloak and then give them your tunic too. It's called a ketone, which is an undergarment worn next to the skin. Well, now we're talking, Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? How embarrassing, how ashamed that creditor would have been for stripping down that debtor past their skivvies. This is the Jesus that we have come to know in the Gospel of Luke. Nonviolent resistance in the name of love. And this is exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about during his entire movement. Barbara Ludblad points to the moment when Dr. King knelt with many others in front of water hoses and snarling police dogs. Folks thought he was crazy. Violence fights violence, they told him. But the authorities and the oppressors didn't know what to do with this kind of resistance. They knew the power of violence. They knew the powerlessness of victims who knew their place. But this was something they hadn't seen before. Victims? who refuse to be victims, victims who refuse to fight back with violence, victims who claim their place and reshape the battle completely. Well, love like this 
It's risky and sacrificial and powerful. Love like this builds community from the inside out. And here's the thing, love like this is at the core of every single one of us. It's not simply what we do, but it's who we are, and it's who we need to be, both personally and collectively. It's the cost of what it means to be together and to stay together, no matter how bad it is, no matter how lonely or forlorn or scared we are, whatever it is you are facing, there is a promise that you will not face it alone. We can go together. We can change together. Because this sort of love changes everything. It changes the world. It changes our relationships. It changes us from the inside out. And the next thing you know, it changes what we think is possible and how we approach each day. And then, only then, does our doing begin to reflect who we are in Christ Jesus. I've been listening to a podcast that our frequent visitor, Don Upton, is a part of. It's called The Lectionary Call-In. Recently, one of his colleagues shared a short little poem by Edwin Markham called Outwitted. Here goes. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. That's the gospel. We can't do this sort of thing without Christ. We need Christ, and we need each other. And by the grace of God, we have both a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Are you listening? Amen.
You may be seated. Let us join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Gracious God, your mercies are new every day, and your love for us is steadfast and everlasting. For that we give thanks. Your wonders never cease, and your breadth and depth and capability is incomprehensible to us. We have no reason to fear or doubt or hold back, yet we do. Remind us that you are trustworthy and at work in all places and situations. Your word today to us is hard. Love your enemies and do not judge. We love to judge and shun others and withhold. It is so much easier, Lord. Forgive us and stir up in us your spirit to do that which is hard and countercultural and goes against our instincts. Help us to love. Continue to create in us a new thing. Mold us and make us into your image as shown to us in Jesus Christ. Our world is full of troubling news and painful circumstances. We pray for our neighbors on the brink of war and dealing with natural disasters. We pray for those who grieve the loss of a loved one by death or by estrangement. We lift all to you those who are dealing with a hard diagnosis, the effects of treatments or poor health. We pray for the hungry the homeless, and children in need. Lord, we are weary from the pandemic, and we ask you to give us strength to keep moving ahead, to be mindful and loving to those with ongoing effects in the aftermath of COVID. Help us to be respectful and gracious to one another despite our disagreements about how to move forward. We pray for our neighbors and ministry partners at Roof Above, Habitat for Humanity, Montclair Elementary School, and the Greater Enrichment Program. We thank you for these relationships and the opportunities to love and serve each other. Transitions are all around us. Change is the only constant. And we ask that you be with our country's leaders, our community leaders, and our congregational leaders as we seek to love our neighbors, including our enemies, as we love ourselves. Come, spirit, come. Our hearts control. Our spirits long to be made whole. Let inward love guide every deed. By this we worship and are freed. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God is generous beyond measure. 
We invite you now to consider ways in which you might also be generous with your time and your talents and your treasures. With thanksgiving for God's generosity in our lives, let us be generous as we offer ourselves and our resources for the ongoing ministry of Jesus Christ in this world.
join me in prayer as we dedicate our offerings and our lives to God. Holy God, you have given us land in which to grow and thrive, food for survival and pleasure, air and water, fire and cold. Make our thanksgiving bloom forth into the lives of others. In the name of the one who gave everything for us. Amen. together and overflowing. Go now and serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> 